Hi everyone, welcome to the Two Cents Footy Podcast, episode 13, with myself, Jeff, and our infamous, infamous Micah Richards tribute act of the North East, JP. How's your week been, buddy? Oh, yeah, it's been good. feel like I need a, a rest after our blockbuster of a, a week in the football world. <laughs> but yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, fun week back in uh, Wiltshire, watching a lot of football. So yeah, I've been um, testing out my my strength to concentrate so much, but it has been, to be fair, very, very cool this week. So yeah, uh, welcome um, to this week and to everyone. Uh, so this week we've got a really eclectic, diverse and colourful mix, unlike the British weather of topics so we're gonna do a quick fire round and there's been a whole smorgasbord of sackings and speculation on the manager front within the premier league and the championship uh, jp will take us through a roundup of the premier league and um, a review of the fa cup draw that's taken place for the next round Quick sum up of the Women's Nation League, including England's hopes and prospects and how they got on. Uh, our second instalment of the Euro 2024 a preview, looking at Scotland and Pie and a Pint, who's done great and who has lost their fate, if that's such a word. Not done so well. Great. So, uh, firstly, we're going to move on to our quick fire round, which is going to be several questions between each of us. Uh, I'm going to start off with uh, a few. Some of them are multiple choice, and some of them are just not uh, free free text, if you like. I'm still in work mode. <laughs> so. Um, the first one, uh, how many goals have been conceded by Harry Maguire in the last 270 minutes worth of football? Oh God, that is awfully specific. Um, 270 minutes worth of football. <laughs> um, I'm going to go 10. Uh, well... Given the where he's been used and not used, it's actually none. Oh wow! So he's be, either been subbed off, or they've got Lindelof and Varane, for example. Specifically, when he's been there in the last three games, uh, over the last two hundred seventy minutes, is zero. Oh wow! That's that's an interesting little stat there. I'm sure Gazi Southgate. Noting on, yeah, he must be loving that. His <laughs> famous uh, and loyal son. Left field. Uh, how much is a doner kebab at the London Stadium, West Ham United's ground? <laughs> um, doner kebab at West Ham. Um, I'm gonna go for six quid. Ooh, might be in the West Country, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's £8.50 
looked a bit uh, char grilled, so yeah, if you, if you burnt bits, a bit of flavor. Uh, so then, currently, who has the most overall tackles in the Premier League? Uh, you've got a choice of three teams. And weirdly enough, they're not all doing well. So you've got Everton, Spurs, and Crystal Palace. I'm going to go for Everton. Half correct. <laughs> <laughs> Half correct. It's joint also with Palace. They have exactly the same number of tackles. Yeah, uh, I could see League. Palace. Yeah, could see those two doing it. Yep. It's like 1,277, something like that. Uh, the fourth one, uh, on the same token, who has the most passes in the Premier League so far? Uh, and you got a choice. I, I nearly like it. <laughs> you got a choice of Lewis Dunk, Saliba, or Rodri? Um, I'm going to go for... I'm... I'm toying between Dunk and Rodri are my two. Um, I'm going to go Rodri. That's a good shout. I would have said that if I didn't know. It's actually Lewis Dunk. Oh, damn it. I had a, I had a sneaky suspicion that he might, he might have been the top one. But yeah, I think just because the fact Rodri was a midfielder, that's what was kind of swaying me. But now I can see that as well. Yeah, it was stiff. A key to Brighton's good distribution, you think? Yeah, and the last one. Um, how many goals has Huang Yi Chan of Wolves scored so far this season? Oh, this is probably something I should know, but I don't. I know he's doing very well this season. I'm going to go for. I feel like it's in the six to eight range. Um, no, seven. Split the heart, split the difference. <laughs> oh, good shot. Uh, it's actually eight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's on such good form, isn't he, for Wolves? Yeah, definitely. I think where last season they did struggle to get the goals, he's definitely stood up this this year. And yeah, he's um, he's stepping up and he's getting goals and Wolves some crucial goals at crucial times. Mm. And over to you uh, for any quick fires. Yeah, so I've got some quick fires for you, Jeff. All of them are a multiple choice. <laughs> so, nice yeah, very, very quick and very fiery. Cool. <laughs> Question one David Raya or Aaron Ramsdale? Aaron Ramsdale? But, oh, but having said that, they are both on shaky water. <laughs> yeah, Question Ramsdale. Ramsdale. Question two, Marcus Rashford or Anthony Gordon? That's no competition. Anthony Gordon. Oh, big Anthony. <laughs> Ace, intensity, blistering, opportunity making. Yeah, for now, to be fair, he... Yeah, to be fair, Gordon has been very, very good. Reckon he gets into the squad over Rashford in June? I don't think so, because Gareth has this loyalty rather than form. So, yeah, um, I don't think so, but you never know. 
Yeah, you do never know. Question three. Arsenal versus Chelsea, women's. Chelsea. Oh, but it's at the Emirates this weekend. It is. Chelsea. More because of I saw Chelsea myself, you know, a fortnight ago. Yeah. Um, they've got bulldozing pace. Uh, Arsenal have good goal scorers, so I think at least it will be a multiple scorer both ways. But yeah, Chelsea. Nice. Question four, and funny enough, this kind of ties into a, one of one of yours. Harry Maguire or Victor Lindelof? <laughs> yeah, Maguire's got a lot of stick on our, on our pod. But, yeah, he's been quite solid. I watched both United games on the weekend, and he put his body on the line against Newcastle. And, uh, yeah, he... he him and Shaw combined seem to be quite a, a, a nice combination. Yeah, they put the body on the line, they clear the ball, they kick it out, they defend the corner as well. They're not being silly with mistakes at the current form, it could always change. Maguire over Lindelof. Nice. Um, final question. Tottenham Hotspur or Newcastle United? Toonami. <laughs> Yeah, the Spurs are in free fall at the moment. Yeah, Newcastle have had a wobble, but actually the fundamentals, which will pain you, I think, are quite good. Yep, nice Saudi money. <laughs> They're getting everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> awesome job, mate. Um, yeah, I yeah I like those. They're they're fiery. <laughs> Quick and firing. <laughs> Put some sriracha sauce on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, great. So we're now segueing on to our third segment. Oh, it's been um, an absolute blistering week on managerial sackings, on speculation on poor results and in tandem pressure from owners on managers so I mean JP what what do you make of what's going on in the Prem and the Championship? Yes it's been the the manager merry-go-round has well and truly started <laughs> I think um, so we've got um, our first second in the in the Prem which was Sheffield United second Paul Heggenbottom after their their 5-0 drubbing from was it yeah, five 0 drubbing from um yeah. from Burnley or Burnley. teams, <laughs> um, and yeah, and so they've actually replaced him with Chris Wilder, which for me was a I don't know from an outsider looking in, I think that's a strange appointment. Um, he's obviously already had a stint at, at Sheffield United before, um, but um, yeah, I think coming off the back of a five 0 defeat against Burnley, which is a team you'd expect to what's well, a six pointer. Yeah. Um, and also having that eight nil um, battering against Newcastle as well, I think is was probably sort of the final, I guess, the final straw. But I don't know. Outside of looking in, and if you're for me personally, if you're bringing in Chris Wilder, to me you may as well stick with Paul Paul Heggenbottom. But I, I, having said that, I can kind of understand why they may have brought in someone like Chris Wilder because I know he sort of 
has the the work ethic that the whole team must work hard for each other and really pull their weight, which I think is something that didn't quite happen against Burnley because Burnley were were all over them for the the entirety of the game and it could have been more than five nil. Um, so, I mean, I guess the question for you, Jeff, do, mm. do you think Chris Wilder is does that change anything for Sheffield United's fate in the Premier League? Does he does he get them out of that drop zone? I see no. But he, he's a popular appointment with the fans. It will rally the team. Like I say he was there till was it March twenty twenty one, but oversaw a couple of promotions for them. So it's a feel good factor in the club, uh, and some players will see him as a father figure. Let's put it that way. No, but no, I don't think it's enough to pull him out. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I don't think he has enough to to sort of pull them out of that that relegation zone um, either. But um, apart from sort of Sheffield United, there's been other sort of speculations with other clubs around the managerial front, so nothing concrete, but I sort of thought I'd pick them up, but Nottingham Forest and Steve Cooper um, seems to be a bit of a question mark. I think the the rumours coming out of the 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 newspapers and the media is that Steve Cooper has the Wolves game to save his job and if he loses that he's then going to get sacked <laughs> so there's a question mark around that one uh, Jeff what's your thoughts on that oh, it's a, yeah it's such a tricky one because again Steve Cooper kept them up last season dogged grit determination you know really good championship manager that kept his job it would be a very harsh sacking. Uh, but, you know, Forrest uh, on this downward um, trajectory at 16th place, and then obviously they've, yeah, four losses and five is, is just not good enough to keep up when Everton are roaring back off their 10-point deduction. Uh, I mean, do you, what do you think? Um, it, it, could there be a swap maybe with Palace? between <laughs> Cooper and Hodgson, or what do you reckon? Um, I don't know. I can maybe see Steve Cooper. I mean, yeah, because Palace was actually the other team I had on my on my list as, as Roy potentially as well, maybe getting the, the chop. But um, I could maybe see Steve Cooper going to Palace. I'm not sure I could see Roy Hodgson going to Nottingham Forest, though. Um, I don't think he quite fits what the owners are trying to do there. And in terms of the the amount of money and and players they've actually managed to pull in in the sort of the the summer summer transfer window, um, but talking of Roy, as you've as you as you've brought him up, he was another question mark I had as in as a manager that will may potentially get the the chop um, again, similar to Nottingham Forest, they haven't been having a great time of recent in terms of getting points and victories, but. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, he's come out and made a remark against the Palace, the Palace faithful, saying that they've been spoiled in recent times um, and things like that. And now, one thing I'd probably say against that with that is, as soon as a manager starts blaming the fans, I'm not too sure a manager ever lasts that long afterwards. <laughs> yeah, um, it's never a good idea to get your fans on on the wrong side. And I think he has come out with an apology, but. 
you know the fans will will take that that comment to heart i would have thought but um thoughts around that is that a um fast track to getting the axe jeff oh that's so tough because i saw the documentary with gary neville and steve parish and and roy and there was this like it's like a father or it was like an uncle nephew relationship between steve parish and roy they utterly trust each other they've gone through a hell of a lot he sort of, again, similar to Cooper last season, helped them survive. Mentored the players, went on a win run. They, they got a huge result against Leicester as soon as he got back in. Um, Parrish tends to give his managers some time. As you remember with Patrick Vieira. But it doesn't mean he's on thin ice. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the best remarks. I mean, I think where, in the end he will be forgiven, but yeah, you've got to think. I mean, I think I saw Palace have have Liverpool and then Man City. So they're sort of baked in results, but you just think if they're like a 4-0 drubbing, 5-0 drubbing, that is, is, is that the writing on the wall? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think with this season, it could be managers, I think maybe apart from those that have been promoted, I mean, actually, I can't really see Luton or Burnley second either of their managers, but I think they'll probably end up going down. So it's going to, it might be an interesting season in terms of, for example, Forest and Palace. I feel like they could give their managers a bit more time because I think they're better teams than all those teams that have been promoted. So I don't think there's too much to worry about in terms of them staying up, I don't think, at the moment. Um, so although there's potential question marks, I think they could allow them a bit more time to turn things around. Um, but the other question mark that I've got, and this is purely down to media speculation around the dressing room, but Man United and Eric Ten Hag, there's been some rumours about him losing the dressing room and 50% of the squad not backing him. Um, so I've put him down as a question mark. Although since then they've had a few positive results, their form in the Premier League is actually quite good. Is there anything behind that, Jeff, around question marks over Eric? Potentially logging off to the glory days of Sir Alex still. They've never... (laughs) It's like not getting over your ex 10 years ago, isn't it? It's just... You know, they've never... Really settled. Maybe Louis Van Hal was the last time they fully got supreme rigor and discipline over the dressing room. And since then, it's been watery ground. Um, yeah, I, I, it's very tricky. I mean, weirdly enough, Eric Ten Hag and uh, Harry Maguire have won Premier League awards for November as best. Yeah, it's like, was it best manager and best defender? I think that's right in terms of Premier League form. Yeah, Harry got um, Player of the Month and Eric uh, Manager of the Month. So we're going to sack a manager that's one Manager of the Month. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll cover this later, but United were actually amazing against Chelsea midweek. Uh, yeah, they, and yeah, repeated um, counter attacking. So. I don't know, it's just the rumour mill around Man United, isn't it? People, if if they're not getting perfect results in the Champions League or beating Newcastle, who 
it's it's gonna create that rumors so yeah hard to tell right <laughs> yeah i i think you're you're right i think it's you know speculation at this point <laughs> i think they've won four of their last six in in the premier league and so actually they're in one of the actually one of the form teams at the moment in the in the league so i, I think at the moment i'm kind of similar to you it's a bit of a not for me you know they've just won he's just one manager of the month they're doing all right so for now i think he's safe <laughs> yes. um but i'm gonna sort of segue into the championship as there's yep. been a few bits going on around there um one team with particular interest to me um sunderland have sacked their manager tony mowbray um which may come to a little bit of a shock to to some people in terms of how we're doing this season. Um, although we've had a few, you know, we're we're not on great form ourselves at the moment. Sort of similarly to to Swindon, we've had a bit of a drop, um, but we're still only three points from from the playoffs, which I think may surprise people in terms of why we've sat Tony Mowbray. Um, I mean, there's a bit of a background story to it, but. For me personally, I'm a little bit on the fence with it. I can understand why they've done it um, now, um, but at the same time, I can understand why some fans will be like, well, actually, if he wins one more game, we're back in the playoffs, and actually, it's not that bad. Um, but I can see why they have done it. We've, I think we've drawn our last game against Mill and lost uh, the two before that, and they were all teams just outside relegation, so there were missed opportunities. Um, and I think the the board have sort of used this as an opportunity to try and get in someone that sort of fits their model, which seems to be, you know, it's going to be a young and modern European manager. And that proves to be the case in terms of the favourites to come in, who is a guy called Will Still, um, who's on the short list. Julian Sable and Kim Helberg are the, the favourites in terms of getting the Sunland job from Tony. I think the standout there seems to be a guy called Will Still, who actually learnt his trade on Football Manager, believe it or not, Jeff. <laughs> Will Still? So he's 31 years of age, and he's now the manager of Rems in League and who are in fifth position. Um, apparently he's multilingual, which will come in very useful if he does get the job at Sunland. But yeah, learnt his trade on the football game, football manager. I think he's had a stint at Preston under-14s as, <laughs> as well. Um, and, yeah, got this gig out in, in France, and he's actually, he seems to be doing all, all right. So um, that would be a very, very interesting appointment if that one did come off. Um, but he may see that as a sideways move if he's going from Ligue 1 to, to the Championship. But um, as an outsider, Jeff, any thoughts around that whole situation with Sunderland? Uh, I think you might have gone too early doing that. Tony's yeah, like you said, you're near, nearly outside the playoffs. Will still only 31. That He's your age in the <laughs> Nearly my age, yes. Or, or just over, in fact, I'll always be over my age. Thank you very much. <laughs> Youth. Yeah, I see. Yeah, so he's he's Belgian, but was brought up with English parents. Yeah, do you have a lot of French players then that need translation? Yeah, we do have a we have a few now. We have a 
a bit of a group of, of French players and also a, um, a couple of youngsters who speak Spanish. I think I'm not sure whether Spanish is on his list of languages, but um, no, there's quite a cool clip of him on social media where he's doing a team talk and the first seg- section he's doing in English and literally a second later he's doing the same team talk but in French. And so it's wow. it's a it's a very very cool video, um, and yeah, having something like that is quite the talent I think in in terms of football where you do have that you know those those language barriers in in clubs. So um, very impressive. Obviously, still very young and will be learning his trade. I think mm-hmm. as are the other two um, who are very unknown to me as well. But I think both very young. You know they. They play it the the modern way, and they'll want to play the way Sunderland play at the moment in terms of playing sort of good, um, attractive football. I'd I'd imagine so. Um, just yeah. A, so side note, like, is there anyone else in the running? Because I've, I've there's another article from the Shields Gazette. Yeah, I mean there are other other names. If I mean if I was in in a perfect world, I'd want us to go for Graham Potter. I think he oh, he right. he fits the the build or the projects, I think, in terms of what he did at Brighton, I think it's a, a fairly similar project. Um, so if I could have it my way, I, I would be looking to bring him in. But um, yeah, there's there's other names out and about as there always are. But um, what sort of come out? Yeah, what sort of come out in the early days are those sort of European names? So you'd want Wingardium Leviosa to be transformed because i mean do, do you think they've i mean you're a fan obviously do you reckon that they've they've gone too early here um well interestingly it, right in, interesting enough they were actually looking to get rid of uh, mowbray in the summer and they did have a, a manager lined up who in the meantime has gone on to another team and is actually doing quite well um so i think this was always something that was in the plan whether it was the end of last season or or this season, I think it was going to happen. Um, I think they've used this sort of run of games where we haven't played particularly well or picked up points. And they're like, actually, while we're still in the mix, we're going to bring in someone and and go for it. I mean, don't get me wrong, it, it, it is a risk. I think Tony, a really reliable manager, um, and the, the whole squad really liked liked him as a as a person as well so it's it's a risk i think um but it's something that i think was always going to happen at some point so um yeah i think we're going to have to sit back and see what happens and and enjoy the ride i guess (laughs) (laughs) hopefully not like the ride oblivion (laughs) yeah but um yeah also sort of in the championship you've got swansea who's now looking for a new manager who they sacked michael duff and also rotherham with massey taylor interestingly enough with swansea they're actually looking at a guy called chris davies who's big Ange's current assistant at spurs so um big Ange could be losing his um assistant manager chris davies to swansea fc but um yes that's a little roundup of the championship stuff Oh yeah, so uh, Michael Duff, right? Yeah. Sacked after getting just the in. He was he only got the job in the summer. That's yeah, an extremely he's, short tenure. 
Yeah, so he's only been there five months, I think. And uh-huh. yeah, they're sort of in the bottom half and they're struggling a little bit. But be interesting to see if they do get Chris Davies because if he plays the sort of the same sort of footballers as Big Ange, they could be quite an exciting team to to watch if that does if that does happen. Gosh, yeah, so much going on. I mean, the outer the outer echelons of the relegation zone of the Prem, and then I mean, all again rungs of the Championship with uh, as you said with Rotherham and then with Swansea uh, and uh, and also with Sunderland. Uh, Great job. Okay. Uh, next segment. The Premiership Roundup. So we've had all teams play twice within the course of five days. So really short turnaround for everyone. Um, yeah, JP, did you have any standout results uh, from this game week? Oh, yeah, an absolute blockbuster of a, a game week in terms of Premier League. I mean, not only have we had a whole host of games, but massive score lines, really entertaining games. Like, I think it will feel like we've had entertaining games for the last couple of weeks now, which is, which is really good. But um, yeah, back sort of last Saturday, which seems like years ago now, um, yeah, I think the standouts for me, for me, there were Newcastle beating Man United one nil, and yep. I think we can all agree and say that was a very well deserved one nil win to to Newcastle United. I think that's the most dominating one nil victory I think any of us have ever seen. So, um, yeah, very good performance, and I think that's probably what sort of stirred the pot with Eric and the whole question mark around him. Because yep. um, they were very, very poor in that game. Um, also, we obviously have Burnley beating Sheffield United 5-0 in the, in the relegation scrap. Um, from my viewing, Burnley was so dominant and played yep. really, really well. Um, Sheffield United, yeah, they were horrendous. Um, not enough work ethic, not enough organisation. And yeah, to get beat 5-0 by a... A fellow promotion side it's a little bit embarrassing and it's the second time they've had a bit of an embarrassing result so um yeah that was a another one that I sort of uh, watched and then also you then move into Sunday and yeah that Man City Tottenham game 3-3 free, free. god that was just an absolute blockbuster within <laughs> within the game itself um yeah really really wicked game did you end up watching that one Jeff? Did, uh, yeah. I mean, Son scoring for both teams—that's super kind of him. Um, Los also back on the scoring board. Big Tottenham favourite, and then uh, yeah, the the controversial referee at the end. You know, three-three playing advantage. Holland's been fouled. Holland plays the ball to Grealish. Grealish is on one for one, and the ref blows the whistle. Pulling everybody back. <laughs> Haaland is literally screaming. Screaming at the referee. Unbelievable. Yeah, I think he ended up getting charged for that as well. But <laughs> was a was a little bit of a strange decision, I think. Uh, definitely on on that front. Um, Simon Hooper, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> Simon Hooper, that's the one. 
Um, yeah, we also have big results for Liverpool beating Fulham 4-3. Oh, yeah. um, I didn't actually see that game, but um, oh, I that heard... Was incredible, mate. I heard there were some ab- some absolute peaches of goals in that game. <laughs> Just, I mean, if you want in a game for the most beautiful arc goals, the beautiful placement, volleys, last minute drama. Um, oh, I mean, we really, I listened to it on the radio, and I was jumping for joy while walking in the countryside in the pissing rain. Uh, yeah, I mean, Trent's uh, last goal. I mean, he he's got to be. On incredible form. We're, we're blessed to have someone like Trent. Yeah, I mean, in fact, from Fulham as well. In- incredible quality of finishing. But um, yeah, I mean, it does beg the question that, you know, can Liverpool sustain their current form? Especially with their tendency to get quite a heavy injury um, pool of folk. But yeah, I mean, that was the key standouts, JP, from the weekend fixtures. Yeah, and then I guess we then sort of move on to on to midweek and again, another really, really fun and, and interesting game that we had was Luton Town 3, Arsenal 4. We get a Declan Rice 95th minute header into the back of the net to to secure the three points for Arsenal and I guess well, I was going to say keep them in the title race but keeps them up there in the title race and keeps the likes of Man City at bay for a little bit longer but yeah I can't help but think that, that is just a huge, huge another huge goal for Declan Rice um, but again another goal for Kai Havertz in there mm-hmm. um, he's definitely picked up a bit of goal scoring form which is good for the Gooners um, that was another game you ended up watching, Jeff. What was your your sort of takeaways from that? Yeah, it sounds like I've watched all of them, but uh, <laughs> you've got to feel for Luton. Uh, just battling away. They deserved at least a point from that. And uh, yeah, I felt so sorry for them. I mean, uh, I think was it Osho, his first goal in uh, the whole the Premier League. Uh, Ross Barkley was on the on the scoring sheet. They just were putting so much counteract, uh, counter-attack pressure on Arsenal, especially set-pieces. So um, it's quite concerning for Gabriel and Saliba mm. to be letting in a couple of headers like that from set-pieces, from corners. Yeah, um, and yeah. there's also, I think, Raya had a, um, a little bit of a shaky performance again against, against Luton. Um, so yeah, I think you're right in terms of, I guess, especially with Gabriel and Saliba, where they've traditionally been quite solid pairing. Um, I think it might, it might even come back to the thing around if you've got a goalkeeper behind you where you're not confident in, your two centre backs will start being nervous and not as confident about playing. So I, I'm wondering whether the whole Raya situation is now affecting Saliba and Gabriel. Yeah. I, th- I think you, you're on to a good point there. <laughs> There's this a lack of trust and um, even some of the clearances, you know, they're just playing at the back between themselves and, and then, you know, Luton's attackers like, like Adebayo were pushing forward and the, the ball's just going out as if it's like a line out in rugby. 
completely losing possession, scrambling to clear it. It's not. It's not what you'd expect from a consistent title, you know, contending Arsenal side. So yeah, what's going so, on with? The... Yeah, Rice getting them out of the mud, and what a goal yeah. that could that could be. Um, we then move on to Wednesday evening, where we have a much improved Manchester United performance against Chelsea with a double Scott McTominay goal, and so that one ended up two one to Man United. Another game which are which Jeff um, managed to view. So <laughs> I'll let you come in here. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, United uh, had just uh, an incredible intensity against a really shaky Chelsea side. The only real standout to me was Mudrick. Uh, and um, yeah, actually, I think just Mudrick. You know, only Sterling was off form. Chelsea's defenders were quite shaky, um, even though there's a few bright sparks from Colwell. Uh, it's it's just uh, a complete runaway train for Man United, counter-attacking everything. And um, you got to say, you know, Fernandez was good, Dallo was incredible. In fact, the two um, full-backs, wing-backs were essential. Bruno Fernandes was unlucky not to get more either assists or goals. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it saves Eric Ten Hag's skin. So you've got to think, again, is Poch now someone perhaps at risk for underperforming? <laughs> I, I don't know what you'd recommend. Um, I think for me, although traditionally Chelsea have been quite quick to, to fire the trigger... Um, I think Poch has got a bit of time left still within him. I think he'll at least get the season. Um, I think the board. I well, I say I. I think they understand it's a it's a project, and I think it's almost probably a bit like uh, Mikel Arteta a few years ago with Arsenal when he sort of was first starting with the project. It, it was a little bit ropey. I think that's this a similar position Poch is in. It's going to be a little bit ropey, but give it a couple seasons and I think he'll end up turning it around. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think he's okay at the moment. Um, cool. Um, and then we then have the, the shocking result of Aston Villa versus Manchester City. And we have a one nil victory for Aston Villa, which was come, came a little bit out of the blue. I, well, I'll say out of the blue. I mean, Man City have been a little bit shaky. They also had that free free against Tottenham, but mm. The high-flying Aston Villa have managed to get three points off of Manchester City. What's your thoughts on that one? Villa dominated the game. It's the least they deserved. McGinn was unlucky not to shave. Uh, he shaved the post. Uh, Watkins as well. Um, and then, yeah, Leon Bailey with this, this sort of speculative attack just outside the box. Deflects off Diaz and then uh, beats Edison. So you've got to think uh, Villa have this incredible form at home, and uh, it doesn't look like it's going to stop. Um, I don't know, mate. Do you reckon City's uh, momentum has stopped, or do you think yeah. it's just going to keep? It's going to come back. It's quite funny because Pep had a bit of a dig at um, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher around some comments about Man City being complacent but um, 
Yeah, I don't think anyone can can lie. I think there's a few more vulnerabilities within the the Man City team at the moment. Um, And, yeah, I think it's probably especially hard sort of coming off the back of a a treble and almost having that, that hangover and I guess the amount of work to actually achieve a treble and then have to try and do it all again I think must be quite tiring um so I guess in some ways it's probably not surprising but it kind of is because their squad is just so good um but yeah I think they're going through a little bit of a patch um they're now a few a couple points off um Liverpool and Arsenal but by by no means are they are they out of it it's it wouldn't surprise me if they come back at some point with a big run of games and bring yep. themselves back into it. So um, although it's a bit of a patch, and I know us, in, us fans in the UK, we tend to get a little bit excited when, when things like this happen. But um, yeah, I think it's a patch. Um, they've got Pep in at the wheel, so um, I'm sure he'll, he'll turn it around as a, and play the football football we all know they, they can play. So um, yeah, don't nothing too much to worry about, I don't think. Yeah, and then... Um... We also had, uh, yeah, Everton smashing Newcastle. I bet you're proud. Oh yeah, I loved that when um that result came in, and it was great to see um Jordan Pickford enjoy himself a little bit, and as John <laughs> would say, being an absolute wind-up merchant <laughs> with some of the antics after the game. So um, no, that did make me laugh, and yeah, it's quite funny that a um whole player has just wound up the whole Newcastle fan base, which I love to see. <laughs> yeah, he was like, punching his way out, wasn't he? Like a little boxer. Yeah, I think he um threatened to fight a couple of their players as well at the end of the game <laughs> the end of the game That's as well. Good. But, I'm, um, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely um milking it and enjoying his victory against the team we love to be. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, that was a great game to um, round off this week of Premier League before the weekend starts. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's coming thick and fast now, mate. Uh. Yeah, we're getting into that festive period now where it's just, you know, game after game. And I'm not sure if you saw that uh, Jurgen Klopp interview after their game (laughs) against Sheffield United. And um, it's because the games were on Amazon Prime. I think the interviewer asked, oh, and your next game's at your favourite time at Saturday at 12.45 or something like that. And Jurgen Klopp just absolutely tore him a new one. And (laughs) he was absolutely raging, Jurgen. Um, As we all know, he hates the the festive period and how they don't get a break. But, uh, I mean, as a fan, it's it's very entertaining. Great for us. I mean, there's, was it, game week 18, 21st till 24th, game week 19. 26th to 28th and game week 20 30th to the second so there's oh it's just a feast of it before yeah. the next international and slash fa cup break and that's a a great little segue into our next segment as you mentioned jeff great. um <laughs> fa cup round three draw who are you who are you? So um, within the last week, we've had the FA Cup round three draw. 
And so for those that don't know, this is when the big boys of the UK football pyramid enter the competition. Um, so all Premier League Championship teams are now included. And it normally, I don't know, for me, Jeff, the FA Cup round three is normally the best weekend of the football calendar for me. I'm not sure if you have the have the same opinion, but um, um, yeah, it normally brings up a few tasty fixtures. And again, going back to Sunderland, the standout for me is the Weirtine derby of Sunderland versus Newcastle. As an outsider, how excited are you um, for that fixture? Oh, it's what's a tasty affair. It's going to be a little gentle, kind-hearted, friendly, kindred spirits meeting of minds. It's going to be a very gentle affair, I imagine. Um, it's fantastic. I mean, from my perspective, I think you might have them on the ropes. If you get that new coach in, who wants to prove a point. Newcastle have so many injuries and are putting pressure on them. You know, they're youngsters, let's say, without going into the names. you, I think you might, you could take it through to a, a, an extra time. And it's just <laughs> up to the gods then. I know, do you, do you reckon you got a shot against the Mags? The game sandwiched um, between Newcastle, Liverpool and Newcastle, Manchester City. So they've got two very, very big games. And obviously the derby is a, is a huge game as well, which they'll want to be playing their first team in, you know, anything can happen in a derby. But um, no, I think they obviously go into this game huge, huge favourites. Um, it's obviously been a, a long time as well since we've last played each other, so the atmosphere is going to be absolutely roaring. I am going to be looking for a couple of tickets, uh, but I can imagine the season tickets and the, the Sunland locals will be all over them, but um, we'll see. But I, yeah, it's going to be an absolutely brilliant occasion i'm fully expecting newcastle to to win um but as you said jeff you you never know they're suffering with with injuries um and those games as well so i think if we're going to do it the circumstances are right um but yeah fingers crossed but um yeah i'm really looking forward to that it's going to be a brilliant occasion and the fa cup as always it it brings up some brilliant ties so i'm yeah very happy with that one but um a couple of others just to run through. We've obviously got Arsenal versus Liverpool. So top of the title contenders facing each other in the FA Cup third round draw, which is absolutely brilliant. But I've also got picked out a couple of other um, fascinating games, which maybe aren't as high profile. But for me personally, I think they, they've got um, some potential to be some crackers of a games. First one is Maidstone United versus either Stevenage or Port Vale. Uh, Maidstone, very local to me in terms of being a team from Kent. So great to see Maidstone in there. And they've got a shot against Stevenage or Port Vale. So, you know, it's a tie that, you know, could throw a little bit of an upset. The final game I've got in here as a potential one to watch is actually Luton Town versus Bolton Wanderers. Uh, we've got Bolton Wanderers who are in League One in the automatic playoffs at the moment so they're they're flying high just behind Portsmouth and I feel like that's going to be quite an intriguing one where Luton they've been they've been having a rough ride in the Premier League although they're starting to pick up a few points and get some performances against the likes of Arsenal I think that's going to be very intriguing where you get that 
League One side full of confidence, can they go to Kenilworth Road and pull off a shock? I think I think the potential's there. But they're my they're my four fixtures. I know there's loads of other games in there and Premier League matchups, but um, that's just my little recap and roundup of the third round draw. Smashing work. So our next segue from the FA Cup will be on uh, yeah a quick roundup of uh, the women's uh, football, in- including the Nations League, uh, a roundup of how England have gotten on briefly, uh, and this whole um, trying to qualify for the Olympics. Back to you, JP. Included within the the mix of all the football we've had this week we've had the women's internationals and so england had the the opportunity to try and qualify for the nations league final and the olympics um slightly underdogs going into this as the netherlands were top of their group and they actually had the netherlands to play which as a game itself was a brilliant game um to watch um netherlands went two nil up within the first half i believe um and England very lately came back and won 3-2 with a last gasp winner. I think it was from Toon, um, who got it in the 90-plus minute. So it went into the final game with it all to play for, with England and Netherlands on the same amount of points. Netherlands were ahead on goal difference by three, I think, or um, or England had to at least beat the Netherlands game by three clear goals. So England headed up to Scotland and won 6-0. So they did a, a sterling job in getting the the victory and the goals. However, the Netherlands went and beat Belgium. It was 4-0, I think. So um, And they actually got their goal in the 90-plus minute, which took them to the, the Nations League final. And so the implications of that is that there will be no Team GB within the Olympics in Paris next year. And they obviously don't qualify for Nations League final either. Um, but for me, what was, uh, uh, I guess, a key point from that is England have scored, I guess, nine goals within those two games. And actually, I think there was eight different goal scorers. Um, and this is obviously the the um, Group A within the Nations League. So it's the top tier stuff. But question for you Jeff around that is is the women's game creating a more entertaining product due to the fact that we're getting different goal scorers lots of goals these more sort of entertaining clashes now happening and it becoming more mainstream is it becoming a more popular product or more entertaining product it's still very it's still very end-to-end which is exciting, but it can sometimes be just so one-sided. In fact, as we saw in both the Netherlands result and the England result, so entertaining for some teams, yes. It's still very much, uh, if you look at the Women's Super League, a very two-tiered system between City City United, Chelsea and Arsenal, and then a drop to the Villas, Crystal Palace, Bristol Cities. And same, I guess, with the the internationals themselves. Uh, I want to say it's going to get there, but it sounds like it's a whole slow process of building the academies, global infrastructure, 
redistribution of the money. Because like, if you look at Chelsea, for example, in the, in the Women's Super League, they're just like, if you look, they got about ten players. In fact, I think all of them, in fact, but they you you have like four rock stars in there. You know, three England internationals, one of which is the captain, Millie Bright, when Leah Williamson was not there in the World Cup. It would imply it would imply that the the men's game probably still has the edge, but oh yeah, it's I'm it's a journey. I'm becoming more converted, JP. Uh, yeah, as I said to you before, I'd, I'd seriously encourage you to go. <laughs> to a women's match and I think you, you might have one on the horizon right I might have one this weekend um, but so yeah I think in terms of the the product I think you're right I think you do get those matchups where it does create a really good game for example uh, England versus the Netherlands it's almost kind of like in a stage I think similar to, to rugby where you know you have a few sort of I guess sort of high level world class teams for example the All Blacks, Ireland, South Africa, and then you'll get nations such as Portugal, Romania that will go into World Cup and it's all very one-sided and huge scores. And actually those games, although a team will win, say, 6-0 when England beat Scotland 6-0, although that's great for England, it's not actually a hugely entertaining watch because it is one-sided. But um, I think there's some really good signs within it from what I've seen anyway, in terms of it is developing and it is becoming more competitive and hopefully over the years it, it does keep snowballing and and becomes a, a really good product for, for us to watch because as a nation, we all love football. So um, it'll, be, it'll be great to, to see and, and follow that journey. But yes, your point about me going to see a game, I'm actually off to the Emirates on Sunday to watch Arsenal versus Chelsea, which is a top-of-the-table clash at the Emirates. 12.45 on Sunday. Um, so, <laughs> um, so yes, it's going to be my first ever taste of women's Super League in the flesh. And so it's top of the table clash. Chelsea currently unbeaten, but they go to the Emirates and Arsenal, who have traditionally been the team to beat within the game. So really looking forward to it. According to... The um, stats, it's looking to be the third biggest attendance ever in a women's football game within the UK. It's almost almost a sellout Emirates. I think they're 3,000 short. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're in the area, get yourself a ticket. They're nice and cheap. Um, and yeah, should be a great game. But um, no, really look at, there's a few sort of English players within there that um, will be good to go and see. You've obviously got Russo and Mead that mm-hmm. play for the Gooners, and then Lauren James and Jess Carter at Chelsea. Who Jeff, um, Jeff, I know you saw the other week, um, with a couple of selfies. I'm not sure I'll get any selfies at the Emirates, but um, I'm not sure. Uh, another player that will be quite interesting is Sam Kerr. I'm not sure if she's um, playing or if she's injured, but if she's playing, I've, I know I've heard a lot of good stuff about her football. So um yeah, it should be a great experience and looking forward to it. Yeah, she was she was integral for Aussie Australia back in uh, the World Cup, been playing with for them for thirteen years. And uh yeah, I mean only thirty years old. <laughs> just this breathtaking uh, longevity. 
and yeah, critical for for Chelsea in particular. So uh, kudos to Emma Hayes. Yeah, you had an amazing time on Gutter. I'm not there. Yeah, and I'll, I'll report back on the uh, on the experience next week. Absolutely, excellent. Uh, so then we're back on to our look at Euro 2024. Uh, we have we're covering a team every week for the next for the whole look for overall 24 weeks for the next 22 weeks going forward. And uh, this week we're covering uh, Scotland. Yeah, uh, that's my slight tinge of accent. I will not subject our listeners to that. Uh, but yeah, Scotland have qualified um, for the Euros for the first time in 20 plus years. Uh, they've been on an amazing winning run um, with a 75% win rate in order to qualify. Um, and and seem to have this renaissance. So... Um, so JP, um, just like, I guess want to get your thoughts on who are your key standout players, who's going to be you know, um, a potential first team player in the future, uh, and then we can talk about how, they, how you, we think we're gonna, they're going to get on. Yeah, sure. Um, so as I did with Germany, I went straight to the bookies and checked out Scotland's odds for the Euro. So they're actually 15th favourites. Um, according to Skybet, <laughs> it's really good. So um, yeah, not not too shabby actually. Um, so yeah, that put me in a in a good starting point. Um, they've got a well, the draw's now been done. So um, they're in Group A with Germany. They're playing in the opening game against Germany, and they've then got Switzerland and Hungary within their group as well, and. The initial reaction, especially from Steve Clark, is they're fairly confident in about getting out the group, which is obviously their their aim. But what's interesting is it's a very, in terms of the world rankings, it's a very evenly matched group. Um, you've got Germany in there who are ranked 16th, mm-hmm. Switzerland who are ranked 18th, Hungary 27th and Scotland 36th. So you've got Scotland actually in there as the worst ranked team. And I mean, I know Steve Clark's come out with, with confidence and I guess rightly so in terms of how they performed in their group. But they've got three very other solid sides within there. I'm Me personally, I'm struggling to see how they get past those three teams. I'm not sure if you're of a similar opinion but I think that's going to be a very tough ask um, I think especially although they've had a good qualifying campaign they have only won one of their last six games which I know it does include friendlies um, mm. but they drew to both Georgia and Norway as their last two qualification games in a 2-2 two, two and 3-3 three, three. so it wasn't the best results I think to finish on the qualification but Jeff, your thoughts on their initial thoughts on their chance of at least getting through this group? So you said it's Germany, Hungary, and Switzerland. Well, there's a chance to be second, uh, primarily because of some of their standout players. So you know, McGuin, McGinn is captain at Villa. 
tends to nab a goal here in the McTominay. He's got to be up there as one of their top goal scorers. Um, it's tricky, yeah. I think I could get past Hungary. Switzerland could be like a draw. Germany mm, in Berlin. Yeah, I mean, I guess with opening game, there's always that chance, but it's hard to see them getting anything out of Germany, I think. I think the thing with Switzerland and Hungary is they. I think they both had... Well, Switzerland's always a very solid side within this within these competitions, but Hungary of late in terms of recent competitions have had a few good performances in, in major tournaments. I know a couple years or major tournaments ago they had they were in a group of death. Um I think that actually included Germany and another big team that they that was in that group and they did okay. <clears throat> but I think in terms of those key players and, and stats, especially in terms of this season and I think this is what kind of worries me about Scotland Jeff um although they've got the likes of John McGinn Scott McTominay who who funny enough is their top goal scorer in terms of this season's stats yep. uh, for Scotland um got the likes for Andy Robertson in there and it's actually a similar story to to Germany and what we discussed last week their strikers Che Adams, Lyndon Dykes, and oh, who's the Luton guy? Brown. Um, oh yeah, Brown. Yeah, they're their three strikers, and they have one goal this season between them. So they're not extremely clinical at the top, and that's what worries me about Scotland chances. Um, they're not very prolific at national level. So I think for me, in terms of players that could potentially come in as a future and this is a very outside shot in terms of a striker but if he gets fit and firing for Southampton I think Ross Stewart um, mm. comes in potentially as their striker for for the uh, the national side I'm not saying he's going to do any better but um, yeah I've got some concerns around their their strike their strike force but um, Jeff any standout players for you in terms of Scotland um, yeah Kieran Tierney definitely a standout uh, you know leadership experience uh, and then yeah it gets you thinking um, Billy Gilmore you know solid defensive midfielder uh, but yeah I mean overall they they sort of have a core of four or five key players it's hard to think whether they can. It's tricky. I, I do think they'll probably might be able to just squeak in to the to the round of sixteen, uh, and then it's up to the gods. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at their last team. It's it's mostly like lower echelon championship and Scottish Premier League players in you know mid teams. So. Yeah, yeah, there's a few standouts, but not too many. I mean, is, is there any, you know, in in your view that stand out to you of, of that group? I think yeah, above what we've said. Yeah, I mean, I think the the absolute standout for me and is actually probably going to be Scott McTominay. I think if he plays well, then he is their biggest chance of getting through. 
Um, he's having a resurgence in form at Man United and he's currently top goal scorer for Scotland in terms of this season, in terms of stats. So I think if they've got any chance, he's the standout, he's the player to watch. If he mm-hmm. he's going to be the, the player to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and get that goal um, and, and the points if they're going to get through. Um, Jeff, you've kind of already... My next question was going to be around sort of predictions, but in terms of uh, two predictions. So prediction for you initially now on the opening game in terms of Germany versus Scotland, but also predictions for Scotland as a whole for the whole Euros. So predictions for the Scottish weather for a sec. <laughs> it's like, grey, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, They'll have a, a fully, uh, they'll have a, a strong team still. Uh, probably stronger than Wales, assuming they qualify. Um, I personally still think they can get second in the group and sweep past Switzerland and Hungary, and then they'll be knocked out by the, <laughs> by the top of whoever's in the other group alongside them. So. A strong performance from their standards, but not really setting the Europe, Europe alight. Uh, yeah, was that was that all of the questions? Um, and then just prediction in terms of the opening game. Uh, do you oh. think they'll get anything out of Germany? Essentially, no, no definitely not. Uh, I think Havertz will score a couple. You know, Werner will get one, uh, and then. Maybe Rudiger on the head, so I, I reckon they'll lose 4 <laughs> 0. But, but they'll bounce back in the rest of the group. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, what do you reckon, JP? So I'm going to go for a different prediction. Um, I mean, I agree on the, the Germany game. I think they lose, they lose that. But um, for me, my prediction for Scotland is they're probably going to come bottom of the group. I think they'll. Yeah. I've, for me, I think Hungary and Switzerland are still too solid and have that sort of nous about them in terms of major competition. So for me, my prediction is Scotland will finish fourth of Group A. I'm on the fence about that one. <laughs> what, a, what is, you're going to be banned from Scotland. This. Yeah, I keep ripping into them, don't I? From, from Scotland, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hadrian's will be slightly higher than what it has been. Beat JP out. <laughs> yeah. Nowhere to go. Not Newcastle, Scotland. Uh, anyway. Might join you in Great. Swindon, Jeff. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's cheap. It's a lot of weather spoons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, all, all for a Chris Moyles gig. But anyway, that's, that's for another day. Uh, great, so that's Scotland. We think they're either going to finish second or they're going to finish bottom of the group. But either way, they're going to get battered against uh, the Curryversed champions of the world, Germany. Uh, right, so that's a, a nice segue into the final segment of this week. Um, we've covered a lot of the Premier League, but... Um, Briefly, our pie and a pint. So a pie who we have thought has done less well. Pint for who's done amazingly. 
JP, uh, who's your pie, first of all? My pie for this week is going to go to Uncle Roy Hodgson. Um, <laughs> just for... Okay, Roy. <laughs> just for his um, outburst against the Palace fans. Um, you know, at his ripe old age of 74, 75, he should know not to get at the fans. Um, so I think that was a bit 26, of... mate. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a bad move in terms of going at the fans like that. So he's going to get my pie this week. <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, what what filling is going in this one? I'm going to give him a, a very, very sweet and overly sugary apple pie. <laughs> sure, I'd be very happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and here's your point. And my pint for this week, Jeff, is going to my Sunderland lad, Jordan Pickford. <laughs> I'm proud. Yeah, for his antics and winding up the whole Newcastle fan base after his 3-0 win with Everton. That was a absolute pleasure for me to watch. <laughs> so I'm going to give him a lovely cold pint of Peretti. Peretti. I'm ready in the Sardinian hills. <laughs> and where Jordan can go raven. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, How about yourself, Jeff? Who's stood out for you with a pint and who's had a stinker with a, and a pie? Yeah, for me, it's, it's for a whole club. I think um, I'm just amazed by Luton Town. They've been... Um, and it's, again, it's a perhaps controversial for you with, you know, them again beating Sunderland in the first round of the playoffs last year. But for me, their performance against Arsenal was just amazing. It's it's the proper British underdog mentality. Um, as I said, Osho getting on the line, uh, getting on the goal scoring line for the first time this year, building in confidence. The atmosphere at Kenilworth Road was. Um, bouncing it was breathtaking it reminded me of the old school football um the only way that's that they're going to keep up is if they do well at kenilworth so um for me they're getting a magna's irish cider a whole barrel i hope <laughs> a whole barrel like yes why not you can have a barrel um they deserve it um, but yeah, big games for them coming up, as we, we mentioned previously on the pod, against title contenders and then also relegation battlers, let's say. Um, so that's my point. Pi is a really tough one, but the one that springs to my mind, I'm improvising, is Steve Hooper. He actually had a really good game against, um, as the referee. Uh, for Man City against Spurs, but just the that's an exciting finish at three three, and the idea of pulling the game back when you think Realish might have a chance to chip the goalkeeper for a four three finale just seemed criminal, and you could hear Gary Neville in the commentary box squirming in the back, going no, <laughs> pull it, you you didn't just do that, and um, yeah, I know we keep giving ref slack and they've got a very hard job but just let the game run or be consistent 
We just need a bit of consistency in the game. Otherwise, we'll keep talking about VAR and uh, the cuttings of VAR and the millimetres of the line on offside. Um, that is winding me up. And it wound Haaland up. I mean, you should have seen some of the memes where his face is at the back of uh, the famous painting, The Scream, <laughs> uh, by Edvard Munch. And it's his face going, why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> Screaming and growling. General venom coming out of his mouth. So, um, the pie is is a Brussels sprout and cranberry filled pie. Or slightly festive. But my god, it stinks. <laughs> wouldn't want to be on the other end of that one. <laughs> oh, you'd have a a few puffs of some something not too good. <laughs> All right, amazing. Um, uh, yeah, also John could not join us this week. Um, yeah, he's 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 currently busy celebrating from Brighton's win the other day. So uh, we'll we'll hear from him soon on the pod. Um, yep, yeah, that's that's us for this week. JP, uh, great job as always. Uh, thanks, mate. Absolute pleasure. Good to see you, Jeff. Okay, great to see you. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, please send your listener questions in. We would love to start um, going back on those again. And uh, yeah, have a great weekend. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you soon on the Two Cents Footy podcast. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>